This is Shi'ar Jeshub, coming from Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, and featuring the ministry of Pastor Greg Scalza. Today, we will be continuing a sermon in the Heavenly Authority series on the Office of the Teacher. And when we left off last time, Pastor discussed how Jesus, at 12 years old, remained in the temple after the Passover and had a question-and-answer exchange with the teachers there, even as Mary and Joseph searched for him. Even after all the events we just read about at his birth, it's as though the everyday has overshadowed the nativity. They know, but remember, they've also, he's their child. And so they don't understand fully at that point when he says, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Before we move on from this, there's an interesting, there's an interesting um, section in Moise Rosen's book, Share the New Life with the Jew, where he speaks about this technique of asking questions. Let me just read you a little bit of it. It's very, very entertaining. Jewish traditional teaching, and it gives you a little insight if you speak to Jewish people today. There is a Jewish tradition of teaching called pilpul, if I'm pronouncing it right, P-I-L-P-U-L, pilpul, whereby facts are established through orderly dispute. The Talmud records much of the pilpul between the ancient rabbis, where questions were raised, which to an outsider would seem like quibbling. In the Socratic method, the teacher asks questions of the student. And that's a little more really what's going on here, I think, at the temple back in the time of Jesus. But they got so much into this. They brought it to a certain point in the Talmudic times. Um, it becomes a little comical after a while. In Pilpul, one teacher questions another teacher who has stated a precept. Then the first teacher tells the second one that his answer is wrong because whatever. The logic of Pilpul is gracious debate, which allows for more than one answer. It's a lot of debating, a lot of questioning for debate. The story is told of a Gentile who came to a rabbi with the declaration that he wanted to study, quote, in the way that the Jews do, that he might understand the Jewish people. The rabbi tried to dissuade him by telling him that he could never understand, but the Gentile was insistent. Finally, the rabbi agreed to give him an oral test. I will ask you some questions, he said, to see if you can logically come to the right answers. Two men fell down the chimney. One was dirty and the other was clean. Which one washed? The dirty one, of course, replied the Gentile. Wrong, exclaimed the rabbi. The dirty one looked at the clean one and thought to himself, amazing, we didn't get dirty by falling down the chimney. But the clean man saw the dirty man, presumed they were both dirty, and immediately went to wash, to wash up. The Gentile smiled, oh, I see. No, you don't, said the rabbi. Let me ask you the second question. Two men fell down a chimney. One was clean and the other, the Gentile was puzzled. You already asked me that question, he said. No, contended the rabbi. The other one was dirty. Which one washed? The clean one, said the Gentile. Wrong again, said the rabbi. 
It was the dirty one. He looked at the clean man and said to himself, it's amazing that he should fall down the chimney and remain clean. Whereupon he looked at his own hands and realized that he was dirty and he went and washed. And now for my third question. Two men fell down a chimney. One was dirty and the other was clean. Which one went and washed? The perplexed Gentile shrugged. I don't know whether to say it was the dirty one or the clean one. Neither, said the rabbi. The whole question is ridiculous. How can two men fall down a chimney together and one come out dirty and the other one come out clean? <laughs> question after question. I think Jesus would have gave the last answer <laughs> to them. In Pilpul, Pilpul, it's not uncommon for the teacher to contradict his own basic proposition. He goes on to say that he's often used the tactic of Pilpul witnessing to fellow Jews, and he said that when he was teaching a Bible class on the campus of the University of California at Berkeley, and remember, Moish Rosen is a, is a Jew, uh, frequently Jewish students would wander in uh, to these unofficial sessions, uh, and they would challenge him, how can you believe in the Trinity? He says, and I asked him if he knew the word, what the word infinite meant. And certainly, the one fellow said, it means immeasurable or uncountable. And Moish says, I took a piece of chalk and drew the symbol for infinity on the blackboard. Now I said, according to Jewish belief, and what you maintain, how many gods are there? One, he replied, and recited in Hebrew, Shema Yisrael Adonai Elenu Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Only one, I asked? He was emphatic, only one. I walked over to the blackboard again and drew the numeral one. I just counted God, I said. How can you say that he is infinite? There is the number on the blackboard. He knit his brow in confusion. I went on. If you say that God is but one, I will declare that he is three. If you say that I said he is three, then I will tell you that he is only one. Belief in the Trinity is necessary for me to know that God is truly infinite, the infinite God. So he was able to use that teaching method of asking the question and answering the question and doing just what that rabbi did to bring them to an understanding of the Trinity. Okay, let's move on. I remember back in the 1980s how everyone, it seemed to me back in the church back then, wanted to be a Bible teacher. There was a neat thing to be a Bible teacher, and we discussed when we went through Matthew chapter 23, uh, the attraction of the position to people, the attention they can get from it. Let's see what the Bible tells us. Look in the book of James, chapter 3. James, chapter 3, and verse 1. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers. Not many of you become teachers. Did Askelo, same word we've been looking at. Knowing that we... And so James includes himself among the teachers. We shall receive a stricter judgment. We will be judged more strictly. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. We stumble in many ways. And so since we stumble in many ways, let not many become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter Strict judgment. So in the church from James, 
he's saying there shouldn't be an overflow of everyone saying, yeah, I think I'll be a Bible teacher. It's a very serious position to be in. And Luke chapter 12, uh, verse 37, Jesus said, Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and finds them so, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Then Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us, meaning the apostles, the ones he was teaching, or to all the people? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise steward, whom his master will make ruler over his household, to give them their portion of food in due season? The master appoints the wise steward to give them their portion of food, the food, the word of God, in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler of all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, My master is delaying his coming, and begins to beat the male and female servants, and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him, and at an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself, he knew it, he knew it and did not prepare himself, or do according to his will, will be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few, for everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask more. To whom much is given, much is required. To whom much has been committed, of him they will ask all the more. The wise steward in charge of the household has to give the proper food to the service in due season. But if they neglected, if they abuse those that they're in charge of, they will be beaten with many stripes because they knew his will and did not do it. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Be more strictly judged. In Mark chapter 4, verse 24, it says, Jesus said to them, Take heed what you hear with the same measure you use. And when you're teaching, you're measuring, right? You're rightly dividing. It will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has to him, more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Careful how you hear. Careful how you measure. Because with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. When you have the word of God, more is given to you. And if you don't have it right, even what you have that's right will be taken away. A clear complaint by James is given that too many of the He's speaking to the Jewish Christians here, the Jewish believers in Jesus. Too many of them are trying to teach what they did not clearly grasp or do. If you look back in James, you look down below 
in James chapter 3, verse 13, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct, good conduct, that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Remember we talked about Ezra? He sought it, then he did it, then he taught it. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. You know, everybody wants to be wise. Everybody wants to be a teacher. But what are the motives? This is not some plush position uh, with a lot of perks. Uh, it's not a glamorous office which some envision. Teaching can be a very scary office because there's a great responsibility to rightly divide, to minister the Word of God, and so those who are teachers will be judged more strictly. James says we will be judged more strictly. And you have wisdom that's humble, that's understanding, that's from meekness and wise, and then you have the wisdom of the world that people run after. Uh, does not descend from above, James says, it's earthly, it's sensual, it's demonic. And too many times people lock themselves into these teachers that glamorize the office and bring attention to themselves and they don't give the proper food to the other servants when they need it and their judgment will be great. Teachers are necessary. Just because James says, let not many of you become teachers, he wants you to understand how serious the position is. Teachers are necessary in the church. Join Pastor Greg Scalzo on our website at www.shiarjeshub.org.